Welcome to the IFI podcast from the Irish Film Institute. In this special podcast episode, we hear from Jeanette Van Sander, Professor of Film Studies at King's College London, who will contextualise the Danielle Darrier retrospective programme, screening in cinema and online as part of this year's IFI French Film Festival. Hello, my name is Jeanette Vincendo from King's College London, and I am going to say a few words about Danielle Darieux to accompany a retrospective of three of her films in the French Film Festival this year. I will try and give you a sense of her importance and screen image in French cinema, especially as she's not as well known outside France as other French stars like Michel Morgan, Brigitte Bardot or Catherine Deneuve. Danielle Darieux lived to be a hundred. She was born in May 1917 and she died in October 2017. And she had an extremely long and successful career. The three films presented here in the festival, Batman Coeur or Heartbeat, 1940, Madame Deux, 1953, and Les Demoiselles de Rochefort, 1967, offer glimpses of her talent at key moments in her career, and I will comment on each of them in turn, trying to fill in some of the context. The first film, Heartbeat, was directed by Henri Decoin, who was then married to Darieux. It was shot in 1939, but came out in February 1940, during the so-called phony war, and it became one of the most successful films of that year. At the age of 22, the young Darieux had already made 29 films, including five with Decoin. She had started her career in 1931 in the comedy Le Bal, when she was only 14, and was immediately in demand, despite a training limited to singing and piano lessons. Darieux's films of the 1930s cover the whole range of popular genres, light-hearted comedies and musicals, as well as melodramas and costume films. By the time she made Heartbeat, she was the most popular female star in French cinema, her glamour enhanced by a trip to Hollywood, where she made The Rage of Paris, directed by Henry Costa in 1938. Because during that period, she did not work with famous auteurs, such as Jean Renoir and Marcel Carnet, Darieux was less well-known outside France than her rival Michel Morgan. But at home, she was number one at the box office, famous enough to be mentioned in a Maurice Chevalier song called Ah, si vous connaissiez ma poule, where her beauty is equated with that of Dietrich and Garbo. Darieux indeed was extremely pretty, and she was spirited, and she could sing and dance. Together with her youth, this combination produced a winning blend of innocence, energy and rebellion. While she could be the charming romantic heroine of historical films like Mayerling with Charles Boyer, throughout the 1930s she became known as the embodiment of the modern young woman, both cute and sassy. Her characters drove, smoked, had unconventional jobs, She's a tap dancer, for instance, in La Crise est finie and Club de Femmes. She's a lawyer in Un Mauvais Garçon and Abus de Confiance, a particularly daring choice for the time. And she's a thief in Mauvaise Graine and, of course, Heartbeat. 
Darius energetic performance was the opposite of the melancholy Michel Morgan. She was always on the move, running, jumping, dancing. Where Morgan was fatalistic and fragile, Dario was impertinent and physical. Morgan's face was a beautiful mask, but Dario was known for her liveliness, her wide eyes, and a famous pout. Heartbeat beautifully brings together all these features. Henri de Coin, the director of the film, was 27 years her senior, and he was an experienced director who had spent time in Hollywood. Heartbeat is his version of a zany American romantic comedy. In the film, Dario plays Arlette, an orphan on the run from a young offender's prison, who somehow ends up in a thieves' academy, learning how to pick pockets. On an undercover assignment as a diplomat's niece, she falls in love with one of her targets, a handsome young ambassador, played by Claude Dauphin. There follows more fanciful twists and turns, but the predictable happy ending unites the young couple across class barriers, as if by magic. There is much to enjoy in Heartbeat, including some of the most famous character actors of the time, all doing their familiar turns, in particular Saturnin Fabre, who plays the head of the pickpocketing school, and Carette, another of his delinquent pupils. But from beginning to end, the film is dominated by Darieux. As the culmination of her 1930s work, Heartbeat is in many ways already a reflection on her stardom. Arlette becomes a star pupil in the Thieves' Academy because her innocent performance, all pout and batting eyelids, successfully acts as a front for her thieving activities, enticing men in the process. Arlette's dual identity as juvenile delinquent and society debutante enabled Darieux also to play on language, switching between slang and refined phrases in her trademark rapid-fire delivery. And of course, she sings. Typically for the French cinema of the time, Heartbeat is not a musical, yet it includes a musical interlude where Darieux sings a sweet ballad which suits her high, delicate voice. But at one point, you note how the orchestration becomes more jazzy, underlining the star's modernity under the romantic surface. With Heartbeat, the Coin successfully imported some of the formulas of the Hollywood romantic comedy, but he also captured, through the cast, and especially Darieux, of course, the innocent mood of the pre-war period, about to vanish. Indeed, the years of the German occupation would prove a challenge for Darieux. On the personal front, she divorced the coin and married the Dominican diplomat Porfirio Rubirosa. In terms of her career, she appeared in three popular hits, including one directed by de coin, thus maintaining her place at the top of the box office. However, the fact that they were produced by a Nazi-run company, Continental, and that Dario had taken part in the now infamous promotional tour of the Berlin studios in order to support her husband, led to difficulties at the liberation, and her career stalled until 1949, when a triumph in Claude Autant-Laras' comedy, Occupe-toi d'Amélie, 
based on the Fedor farce, relaunch her career. The 1950s saw Darieux again at the top of the box office, displaying her charm and versatility from comedy and melodrama to literary adaptation, film noir and portmanteau films. The second film in the retrospective, Madame Deux, belongs to one of the highlights of this second phase of Darieux's career, that is, her partnership with the émigré director Max Ophuls. After La Ronde in 1950 and Le Plaisir in 1952, Madame Deux in 1953 was their last collaboration. Although the film's apparent frivolity disconcerted critics when it came out, this portrait of a high society woman during the Belle Époque was a public success. Louise, played by Darieux, is married to a general, played by Charles Boyer. Ophuls thereby recreates the star couple from Mayerling, directed by another émigré to France, Anatole Litvak, almost 20 years earlier. Louise is a coquette, a spoilt woman, used to luxury and to seducing men. Yet, her story becomes tragic when she really falls in love with an Italian diplomat, Fabrizio, played by the Italian actor and filmmaker Vittorio De Sica. Weaving its way through the narrative is a pair of diamond earrings belonging to Louise, bought and sold several times, whose circulation is an image of the flow of desire, but also of the lies and betrayals exchanged between the characters. Darieux is perfectly in her element in Max Ophüls' visually baroque universe. In Madame de, the lavish décor and costumes, the romantic music, the elaborate camera movements for which the director became famous, construct a beautiful and decadent world. Note in particular the importance of mirrors, veils and trinkets. But it is a world which, as the general says in the film, is only superficially superficial. A phrase which wonderfully describes the film as a whole. Many important or tragic moments are elided or kept off-screen, as in the famous ball scene, which depicts the deepening relationship between Louise and Fabrizio. While the music remains the same, the actors' costumes and their behaviour change. What happens between the skillfully edited dance vignettes is left to our imagination. Darius' character and performance in Madame Deux are the supreme incarnation of this superficially superficial world, a patriarchal world which encourages seductiveness and frivolity in women, but then condemns them for it. Thus Louise, the reigning queen of Parisian high society, is cast out of it when she breaks the codes of respectable behaviour by manifesting real desire for a man rather than maintaining appearances. The flirtatious Louise at the beginning of the film recalls the bubbly persona of Darius' youth, but by the end, when Louise is heartbroken, she effortlessly switches to a more melancholy register. The subtlety of her performance is reflected in Max Ophir's remark, Have you noticed that when her mouth smiles, her eyes cry? Before the shoot, he had also told her, Here, my dear Danielle, Your job will be extremely difficult. 
During the first part of the film, with your beauty and your elegance, you must incarnate nothingness. Darius' ability to navigate between empty cheerfulness and barely suggested grief expresses perfectly both the nothingness of a life ruled by superficial rituals and the deeper emotional understanding she reaches by the end of the film, for which she is doomed to pay a heavy price. So, after Occupe-toi d'Amélie, Madame de effectively relaunched Darieu on a wave of success that carried her triumphantly throughout the 50s. But her star began to wane in the 1960s as she ran up against the silent discrimination faced by all aging women in the cinema, even though she was a glamorous and juvenile-looking 40-something. But this was the time of the new wave, whose innovations included an obsession with youth that was reflected in a new generation of younger female stars, such as Anna Karina, Bernadette Lafont, and Jeanne Moreau. Darieux did not remain inactive, however, quite the opposite. With remarkable stamina, she pursued an extremely long and rich career until the 2010s, when she was in her 90s, making dozens of films and television movies, in addition to song recordings. Few of her post-1950s films left much of a mark on film history, and those that did tended to be tributes to her and to the cinematic tradition she represented. The most famous among those is the third film in this retrospective, Les Demoiselles de Rochefort, directed by Jacques Demy in 1967. Jacques Demy emerged during the new wave with his first film Lola in 1961, though he was on the margins of the movement. He became internationally famous with his next two films, Les Parapluies de Cherbourg in 1964 and Les Demoiselles de Rochefort in 1967. Jacques Demy's cinema has often been called Enchanté, a pun in French on Enchanted, and on the fact that his films are musicals which contain not only traditional numbers but also large portions where the dialogue is sung rather than spoken. Demy's films are also enchanted in terms of their fairy tale atmosphere, created through music and song, romantic plots and vivid décor. Les Demoiselles de Rochefort was shot on location in the town of Rochefort on the southwest coast of France. Visually, it is an explosion of colour, with the pink, blue, orange and purple of the costumes echoed on the doors and wooden shutters of the town, enhanced by Michel Legrand's music, which is in turn exuberant and lyrical, paying tribute to both French romantic music and chanson and American jazz. Demi's own love of American cinema is also visible in the presence of American actors and dancers in the film, notably George Shakiris of West Side Story and, of course, Gene Kelly. Rochefort's Demoiselles are twin sisters, Delphine, played by Catherine Deneuve, and Solange by her real-life sister, Françoise d'Orléac. Delphine teaches the ballet and Solange music. Their mother, Yvonne, played by Darieux, runs the café on the central square. All three women are looking for love, 
conceived of as an almost unattainable exotic fantasy, while in each case their ideal man is actually right there in Rochefort, unknown to them. The film's narrative, bracketed by the arrival and departure of a troupe of fairground entertainers, playfully organizes a series of missed encounters between the three women and their idealized love object. The painter Maxence, Jacques Perrin, the composer Andy, Jean Kelly, and Simon Dame, Michel Piccoli, who sells musical instruments. The three sisters, the demoiselles, are the lead characters, but their mother, Yvonne, occupies a central place. The café is a hub through which all the characters converge as they crisscross the town. Darieux makes the portrayal of Yvonne as a mature but modern woman entirely convincing. The actress was exactly 50 in 1967, but she looks a lot younger. A running joke in the film is that men think that Delphine and Solange are her sisters rather than her daughters. Yvonne's youth is emphasized by costume. She wears fashionable yellow, orange or green slimline dresses and short bobbed hair, and the way she weaves her way through the café displays her graceful movements. Her character is modern and independent in a way which recalls the star's younger persona. We learn that her twin daughters and her younger son were born out of wedlock from different fathers, but she's completely matter-of-fact about it. Her playful behavior and witty lines likewise recall heartbeat. Yvonne is, like her younger self as Arlette, romantic and impertinent, refined but sassy. At the same time, the film suggests that this joyful surface conceals a subtle melancholy, hinted at through her wistful looks and beautiful voice. She is in fact one of the few members of the cast to do her own singing. Later, she will sing in another demi-film, in Chambre en Ville, in 1982, and later still, in 2001, in François Ozon's hit Huit Femmes, Eight Women, which in turn pays tribute to Les Demoiselles de Rochefort. Altogether, Danielle Darieux appeared in 140 films spread over eight decades, a wealth of material that is impossible to convey in such a short space. Nevertheless, the three films shown in the festival constitute revealing snapshots of three key moments in her career, linked by her effortless embodiment of charm, elegance and modernity. I hope you enjoy them as much as her French fans did, and thank you for listening. The IFI French Film Festival takes place from November 17th to 28th. In-cinema tickets are available now from ifi.ie slash frenchfest, while IFI at Home three-day rentals are available from ifihome.ie. We look forward to seeing you there. The Daniel Dario programme is presented in association with the French Embassy in Ireland and the Institut Francais.